This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is a weird, wacky world we are living in these days. You know, earlier tonight we were talking to Elizabeth Joyce about psychic predictions. In the past hour, we were talking to Gwilda Wiaka, who is the host of The Science of Magic, about a shamanistic approach to the negativity in the world that is going on today. And what we thought we'd do is we'd bring Kevin Randall, who is the host of A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network, uh, onto the show because Kevin has had some really great guests on. You know, uh, you had uh, he had Don Schmidt on, uh, Ben Moss, uh, uh, Jerome Clark, um, and and the topics are are just truly all right. Here's a pun out of this world because he talks about UFOs, extraterrestrials, and so on. Uh, first of all, Kevin, welcome back, old friend. Great talking to you. Congratulations on your show. And I've got to tell you, I was really intrigued. Listening to the show that's going to be aired this weekend about the Roswell slides. The plan was always to uh, let Don Schmidt have his say and tell him, tell his side of the story as it is evolved today, and then bring on some of the others who were at the other end of the spectrum, meaning mm-hmm. those who had revealed the slides for what they were, and explain how the story has sort of morphed into blame everybody. Else, uh, it wasn't me. It was somebody else's fault. So I, I wanted to set up that contrast so that everybody could listen to what Don had to say yeah. and then what Kurt Collins, who was part of the Roswell Slides Research Group that kind of de-blurred um, de- the placard so it could be read and what they had to say about how this whole thing evolved. And I thought that was kind of an interesting juxtaposition. What does Tim Carey have to say about all this? Tim Carey will not talk to me. Wow. And I do not know why, because if anybody should be angry about this whole thing, it should be me. Back in 2012, we were all in Roswell, New Mexico. That means Don Schmidt, Tom Carey, and me. Right. Tom Carey approached me one day and said, uh, you want to go to Church's Fried Chicken? And I would not turn down a trip to Church's Fried Chicken, so I said, sure. And he proposed that we write the ultimate Roswell book together. As, as a way of setting the record straight. And we talked about this a little bit. It was going to be Tom Carey and me. He proposed this idea to me. Um, that I, I think it's a, the, a year later, we're all back there. And he's now, Tom has now invited Don Schmidt into this project as well. And we met at the, in the hotel uh, breakfast bar area. And as we're talking about how to make this book work, I said to them, We need something spectacular. We need to find a witness that nobody has talked to. We need to find a witness that has something spectacular to tell us. They knew about the slides at that time. They had seen the slides at that time. They showed an inkjet uh, copy of one of the slides to David Rudiak at that time. They said absolutely nothing to me about this. Oh, God. And so I'm sort of lost about this, even though – 
they signed this non-disclosure agreement, which apparently only meant to me because they were telling David Rudiak about it. And all they had to say is, we've got something working here. But they didn't even say that much to me. I later found out what was going on um, through other sources. But uh, the, the way this whole thing evolved, uh, I, I warned Tom about this in December of 2000, uh, 2014 to not uh, – Wondered if it was a mummy in the in the slide without even seeing it, mm -hmm. and he said, "No, it's not a mummy. We've checked." And I and on my blog, I had said repeatedly, "This is going to turn out badly," and it has. And for some reason, I think Tom Carey blames me for some of the negative things that have been uh, published about them. But it's really their fault. I had nothing to do with it. I merely reported the facts. Maybe that's why they kept it quiet from you, because you are a fact checker. You vet everything you discuss. You just don't take a person's word for it. You actually do an investigation. You want the facts. Nothing but I... facts. You are the Joe Friday of the UFO world. <laughs> but I can speak better than he can. Uh... I wondered about that as well, and I got an email from Adam Dew, who was the guy that had the slides and presented them to Carrie uh, and Schmidt. Mm -hmm. He had gotten them from Joe Beeson, and apparently they were pals. And and Adam Drew had uh, suggested to them that they bring me on board to that, and they said, no, we don't need him. So I kind of wondered what that was about as well. But that's what Adam Dew was saying wow. about this whole thing. Well, let's, con uh, let's continue this on the other side of this break, Kevin. Exxon Nation, Kevin yeah. Randall is our special guest. He is the host of A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday on the Exxon Broadcast Network. But he is also heard throughout the week. If you'd like to listen to Kevin and you want to see which show and which day best suits your schedule, visit our broadcast schedule at www.xzbn.net. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. Kevin Randall and I return on the other side of this break. Don't go away. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th, Registration deadline is September 12th. 
Experience Journey Trance, Power Animals, Helping Spirits, Sacred Space, and Life Purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Kevin Randall is our special guest of this hour, Exxon Nation. Kevin is the host of A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall on the Exxon Broadcast Network. If you would like to find out when Kevin's shows are being aired to best suit your own personal uh, schedule, just go to www.xzbn.net. Uh, Kevin, we were talking about the uh, Roswell slides, and um, I always like to follow the money. W- who was behind this, and who was going to get the money that was b- going to be charged for the exhibition or the showing of these slides? There's actually a, several answers to that question. First and foremost, we've got uh, Adam Dew and Joe Beeson, who were the guys that had the slides and, and had the story about how they were found, and they're apparent uh, belief that it might show something extraterrestrial. And I do not know how you could mm-hmm. look at one of those slides and decide it may be an alien body, but they were the ones that, that had originated the whole story. They had looked into selling them to the network from what I understand from Tom Carrie uh, and Don Schmidt, but couldn't find a net network interested in them. So they were looking for researchers to, get involved. And I understand, and I I have not been able to confirm this, but I understand they showed him to Stan Friedman first, and he suggested they contact Tom Carey. So their idea was to exploit these in some fashion. And I know that Adam Dew was making a documentary about this whole experience. And I don't know whether his um, motivation was to prove how gullible UFO researchers could be or if he really thought he had something strange here and wanted to document the process of vetting the, the slides for public consumption. But that moved on to the point where Tom and Don were working to to vet the slides. They knew Jaime Musan, who was a UFO researcher, and I use the term researcher very advisedly in Mexico. He has a big radio and television audience in Mexico. And he was in Roswell doing some sort of research and Tom and Don were talking to him. And Musan was the driving force, I guess, behind the presentation in Mexico City uh, last year. So if you're looking at the money, the the money apparently uh, was channeled to Du and Beeson, uh, Tom Carey, Don Schmidt and Jaime Musan. I do not know if Richard Dolan, uh, Richard Dolan was probably paid for his appearance on the stage, but I don't think he made anywhere near the money that the others did. Um, and so, you know, if you're following the money, that's where the money is. That's where the money went. You know, I've seen that slide years and years and years ago, and we've, we're going through our entire file of, of photos and uh, computer data. I know that I've seen it at least 10 years ago, at least 10 years ago. And I looked at it and I just said, you know, this is a, this is a mummy. I don't know if this, this, these particular slides were presented 10 years ago, but there has been over the years, quite a few of these things presented. There's a, um, apparently with some kind of a carnival or a circus or exposition in, in Canada that had, a mummy, not a mummy, but a uh, alien being in there that looked Chinese. Well, that, that's uh, that's our House of Parliament. But but I mean that that clearly is is yeah. uh, a, a wax dummy that had nothing to do with that. That circulated for a while, and there have been some pictures of of mummies or other things like that have circulated through the UFO community. This is the first time you've really got the, the point where it's UFO researchers who are uh, versed in Roswell coming out and saying, yeah, we've got the proof. This is it. This is this is it. The skeptics are going to be crying because there is no way to refute this. We have checked it. And all they really did was, was confirm that the slide had been taken in the late 1940s uh, based on, I think, the chemical composition mm-hmm. of the um, 
the film stock, the emulsion that was used to develop the, the slides, the mount that the slide was in, all of that pointed to the late 1940s. But the question you have to ask yourself, if this was a Roswell alien, why was it so desiccated that quickly? It would have been out in the uh, public arena the, in the desert for just a matter of a few days, and I don't understand how it would become that uh, desiccated and that decomposed that quickly because once it was recovered, you know they're going to try to preserve it as best they can. And then the second question is, why is it on display anywhere for two civilians to get in and take photographs of it? It just didn't make good sense whatsoever. And, and these were red flags that apparently Tom and Don avoided, each, each saying, well, I believe what the experts were telling me about this. Everybody pointing to the experts are saying, well, yeah, it's an alien uh, um, creature of some kind. But the experts uh, weren't um, the best in the world. Who were the experts? One of them was a guy in Canada named Doble, I think his name is. Okay. Uh, he, has, he, he taught at um, one of the universities there in Canada, and he was talking about how this is something that had evolved from a gecko <laughs> and had this whole long thing about that. The other two experts were from Mexico, and they seem to be highly trained individuals in, in their specific fields, but they're making these comments about the, uh, the image on the slides, and they haven't been able to actually examine the, the physical entity. They, all they can do is look at it at slides. Tom is saying that, that they had approached American experts, and the American experts wouldn't even talk to him about it. But if you listen to what they say in the interviews they've done, what you learn is they approached American um, experts who said, well, we need more information. What are the providence of the slides? Where did they come from? Uh, can we see the actual um, remains somewhere? And I think those are prudent questions asked by the American experts on this. They, wanna, they want more information before they commit any kind of opinion on it. So they had to really search for the people who would issue an opinion. And, and I know after the placard was read, after the documentation was found, I mean, there was a 179-page um, report about the excavation excavation of the of the of the mummy found in 1897, I believe, in the Mesa Verde area, and how it was excavated, what examinations had been done, where it had been displayed, photographs of it along the way. So it's clearly the same image. Uh, all of that documentation exists, and you still had some of these guys saying, "Well, no, it's alien." And I do not understand that at all. Once you're presented with the evidence, I can't think of another UFO case that has blown up this quickly with this kind of documentation available to prove that it is not what it was claimed to be, but it was in fact the, the, the remains of a poor, unfortunate child who died uh, uh, several centuries ago. What has this fiasco done to the credibility of UFO investigators? Unfortunately, I don't think it's hurt. I see the same stuff going on again and again, and they approach the same people to talk about it. Every time something like this blows up, mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems that it just doesn't matter, with the possible exception of Bill Moore when he admitted that he had been or claimed he had been working with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations on a number of UFO-related uh, items and that he had been um, an agent of disinformation for them. He, he's about the only one who has ever been really... Uh, uh, excommunicated from the UFO field by what he has done. If you look at the whole totality of the UFO research community, you get people caught in these kinds of fiascos time and again, and everybody looks the other way. Well, that was just a mistake. We got to move on to this other arena. If 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 somebody in in academia had done this sort of thing, that would be it. You would not hear from them again. And yet the UFO community seems to be very forgiving. Does that translate into uh, better things for the UFO community with the media and the public at large? No. They say, well, that was a big hoax. Who cares? And, and when, you, when, you show, when you have something that you want to give to the media that may be of value, mm -hmm. the media just doesn't want to pay attention to you. And, and, and you say, why? Well, let's see. We got the Roswell slides. We've got MJ-12. Uh, we've got alien autopsy. And we can go on and on and on. All these things that have come forward that, that were proven to be hoaxes. I always say 99% of the pictures taken of UFOs were taken by teenage boys. 99% of those are hoaxes. 
And when we look at the totality of the UFO field, we see that time and time again. And yet I see the same pictures uh, published again and again. You know, here's a real UFO. Um, uh, Corso, Philip Corso, who was a retired lieutenant colonel who uh, did the day after Roswell, he had a picture in his book of a UFO that he said he found in the classified files. Everybody has known since the mid-1960s it was a Ford hubcap thrown into the air and photographed. The guy who faked it came out and told us that. And here's a book. It's got this picture in it. If Corso doesn't know that's a fake, then what does it say about the rest of the work, his, his, his book? And yet I still hear people talk, quoting Corso as the source of the best information about the Roswell case and UFO. So, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem to hurt that you – are caught in these sorts of things because inside the UFO community, they ignored it and nobody else outside really cares. It sounds as if like, you know, what goes on, like you were saying, what goes on in the UFO community stays within the UFO community. Nobody cares because it's like a little club, a little click, a little social gathering. And just like the old CB club of the sixties and seventies, where everybody had a CB in their car and they'd all meet at the coffee shop to talk, you know, um, but when you're looking at the bigger picture, you've got you've got people who have, you know, been in the UFO community a long time. Let's take Stan Friedman for example. Here you've got a guy who is a nuclear physicist who's never seen a UFO, who has never done a UFO investigation, who believes beyond anything that MJ-12 is real, and yet proof to the contrary has been presented time and time and time again, and yet because it's Stanton Friedman, it's like he gets a free pass. Uh, there's, there's other things as well. Gerald Anderson, who uh, came out and said he was involved in the Plains of San Augustine crash in 1947. I have shown documentation to Stan Friedman that proves that Gerald Anderson was not a Navy SEAL as he claimed. He used to be on the Navy SEAL Wall of Shame, which they've shut down, but I had a copy of that, and I said, look, here's Gerald Anderson. He was not a Navy SEAL. We have proved time and again that, that Anderson was forging documents. He uh, created a phone bill to prove that I was a liar, and all it did was prove that he was a liar. <laughs> so we've got all of that stuff, and Stan Friedman still defends Gerald Anderson. I do not understand why. And, he def and, he, and he's on board with MJ-12. I have said to him, and I have, I have a letter from him, I said to him, you know, the lack of providence really is a major red flag on this. You know, every major forgery you can talk about has some mechanism to prevent the original documents from being examined, just as we have in MJ-12. Right. And his attitude was, well, the lack of providence really kind of proves it's, it's a classified document because the guys leaking it wouldn't want their name known, so you know, we don't know who they are. Uh, all I have to do is say Wiki, WikiLeaks. You know, you've got... You've got um, uh, Bradley Manning le leaking classified information into it with his name attached. You have uh, what's-his-face, um, whose name for some reason escapes me. You know, the, the the big guy who's now living in Russia, and they've just done a movie about him. Assange or Edward Snowden? Snowden, Snowden. I do not want, well, I couldn't, I, I knew Assange, I couldn't think of Snowden's yeah. name. They leaked documents and their names were attached to it. You've got the Pentagon Papers. They know exactly where they came from. And yet, we've, but, got, we've got to take a break here, Kevin. Exonation, Kevin Randall is our special guest. What a great guy. He is the host of, the, of A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Heard weekly right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. To get the schedule, just go to www.xzbn.net. And we'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. By the way, Exonation, um, opening on October the 15th, 2016, www.exonexmas.com. That's right, the Exxon Christmas store is opening up, and we will be featuring products, articles, books, videos, DVDs from people from around the world, as well as our special guests on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Once again, if you'd like to find out how you can listen to Kevin Randall, no matter where you are, it's very simple. Just go to www.xzbn.net, find out when Kevin is on our schedule, listen in, we're available on TuneIn, we're, we're available on so many places, both on terrestrial radio, satellite radio, and of course, the internet. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, what is the, you know, um, you've got a blog spot. It's a very busy blog spot. And what do your what do your bloggers and what do your followers say about the controversies that seem to to be within the UFO community? Uh, how do they handle the the disbelief? How do they deal the 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 substance of let's say the Roswell slides? The problem is I've got very polarized people uh, commenting on the blog. The true non-believers. There is no alien visitation. Therefore, anything that suggests otherwise must be untrue. And then there's the true believers who everything that is said about it 
has to be true, and there's no way you can disprove it to them. So you get a lot of that kind of discourse. But in the center, you've got some very interesting people talking about, uh, well, you know, this doesn't make any sense to us. I think the consensus is that the Roswell slides are a hoax. I mean, practically everybody involved is admitted mm -hmm. that it doesn't show an alien creature. But we just, I just had a, um, a thing on about uh, the MJ-12 operations manual. And there's what I think of as a fatal flaw in that. It mentions Area 51. This was a document that was supposedly published in April of 1954. And then there's an update page that suggests some changes were made in 1955. Well, it says that if you've picked up wreckage of an alien spacecraft, you're to ship it to Area 51 slash S4. The problem is Area 51 as a facility did not exist in 1955. And there's a document that was declassified by the CIA and um, Kelly Johnson with the Scott Works, they were looking for a facility to test the U-2. And they went out to Groom Lake, which is the real name of the place, in 1955, April of 1955. And there's a description of what's there. It was a couple of runways. It had been a bombing range during World War II. There was uh, 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 landing strips there for aircraft that got into trouble, but they hadn't been used in so long that the dust was so thick. If you tried to land on it, your landing gear would collapse. They saw no facilities, but they thought this would be the perfect area to build the facilities to test the U-2. So we have that document and we point out, you know, this is in direct mm -hmm. contradiction with the operations manual. It shows it's not uh, authentic. And the guy writes to, and he says, well, how do you know that there wasn't a secret a Atomic Energy Commission site there. How do you know there wasn't a secret underground base there? How do you know that they didn't see these things? And I'm thinking, well, you know, they flew over the place. If there had been a facility there, they would have known it. If there was a secret uh, Atomic Energy Commission site there, underground or whatever, uh, they would not have been allowed to build their facility for testing the U-2 there. And, but this guy is so convinced that the operations manual is a real document. He is going to make up stuff. Well, there might have been a secret facility there. He's going to make up stuff to, to prove the point. So you get that sort of nonsense, and you can't argue with him. You know, how do you say, well, you know, the, the documents show there was nothing there. Well, we don't know that for sure. Well, yes, we do. In fact, I had a similar argument with Stan Friedman about Gerald Anderson, who was a kid who said he had been involved in the Plains of San Augustine crash. And there was a archaeological site survey going on at what's called Bat Cave, which was across the Plains of San Augustine from where this crash supposedly happened. And um, the guys were there in July of 19. 47, they would have seen the thing crash had they been there, they, they, and they were there. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, I gave this information to Stan Friedman, and he says, well, we don't know uh, how far they were in the cave. We don't know what direction the cave was facing. We just don't know all these things. And I said, of course we do. If, it, if it's an archaeological site survey, they're going to be very deep in the cave because human inhabitants won't get very far into the cave because it gets dark and they can't see. And the cave is facing to the west and so they would have seen the crash, uh, but they just ignore that kind of evidence and and go on with their their absolute beliefs. And I, I just do not understand it. But that's the kind of thing you get. And then we have the people in the middle who, fortunately, are are willing to say, yeah, you know, that makes a little bit of sense. Maybe we ought to revisit this uh, in another arena and talk about it. So you get you get the whole range of people at the blog. You were talking about underground bases. What is the real story as far as you know it? Are there underground bases where extraterrestrials are living and working with uh, the, you know, the scientists on reverse engineering? Now that you, well, since you phrased it that way, the answer is no. I'm going to say, are there underground bases? Sure, there are. We've got missile silos all over the place, yeah. which were literally underground bases. Yeah. But the the kind of thing I'm, I'm, you're talking about with this big, huge research facility underground, which nobody knows about, and then of course there's that great gunfight that took place in Dulce, oh, at the yes, underground yeah, base yeah. near Dulce, where 98 MPs were killed in in the gunfight with the uh, alien creatures. Yeah. That that stuff uh, is is simply untrue. You you have no absolutely no evidence for what whatsoever, and then Stan would say absence of evidence isn't evidence evidence of absence, and I would say yes it is when you perform due diligence mm -hmm. and you haven't found anything to support your conclusion, and scientifically if you can't find evidence then you can say that, but um, 
there's just really nothing that that I have seen that's very persuasive at all that suggests there's these big underground complexes that uh, house the alien creatures that we're in cahoots with, right. uh, allowing abductions to take place and mm -hmm. mutilations to take place and all this ancillary stuff that clutters the UFO field. So um, when we look at the big the big UFO picture, how big do you really think it is? Is it as enormous as... Uh, let me see, Stanton Friedman, uh, Stephen Bassett, uh, and, and the rest of the old school claim it is, or is it isolated? And what is happening is it's being blown out of proportion because of its appeal. Well, you have to look at the whole thing. and You've got an awful lot of people who are not familiar with what's in the sky around them, and they see something unusual, and their immediate assumption is, well, there's an alien spacecraft. 95% of the time, what they're seeing is something unusual that has a terrestrial explanation. Uh, we do not get the kind of robust sightings we used to get back in the 1940s and the 1950s. And it may be that we're all better schooled. And so we're, we, seem, we identify more of what's in the sky around us. Um, so I don't think it's nearly as big as... It's, it's being portrayed to be, but you also have to look at what the media is doing. And when I think of media in this case, I'm not thinking mainstream. I'm thinking more of the cable networks. And how many programs do they have on about UFOs and the paranormal and ghost, ghost hunting and all of this sort of thing? And that kind of feeds into, the, into that. It doesn't make the phenomenon any more real or the evidence any better, but it certainly feels, feeds into the idea that there's something going on. And you add the conspiracy aspect of it and you go on to a whole nother crowd of people. There was a, a program called, I think, Chasing UFOs on National Geographic Network for crying out loud. And they went to Roswell and they're out in the field where the thing supposedly crashed, which was interesting that the uh, Tom, Tom Carey is actually kind of responsible that for getting the, the coordinates out because I'd never tell anybody. And he told a friend where they were and from there it all got out. So they're on the, the actual site where the thing allegedly crashed and they're digging around and they find a button from a uniform, a military button. They said, look, we found proof that the Air Force has been out there. And uh, I looked at the button. I said, you know, back in 1947, the Air Force didn't exist. Uh, ergo, nobody would have been wearing that Air Force button out on that uniform in 1947, which you would have seen probably as an army button if anybody was dumb enough to be wearing his class A uniform out into this field. Clearly, the button was planted. It was planted by the producers of the show so they could find something on the field and say, look, we found evidence. Uh, and that just feeds into this whole problem that we face with, with the UFO phenomena. Mm -hmm. I know I've kind of digressed from where you wanted to go, which was, you know, is, the field kind of feeds on itself and it expands out from there. And the, the, the cable networks with all the time they have to fill uh, are looking for all exciting stuff. And it doesn't matter. You, you can see the producers coming in with, with their uh, idea of, of what it is. We want to prove that UFOs don't exist. So clearly Roswell was a project mogul balloon and we just look at the evidence that supports that. Or if we want to believe UFOs are real. And look, we were out there. And it doesn't matter how many people have been out there before us with uh, metal detectors and archaeological site surveys and archaeological teams and all this. These guys spend like 25 minutes out there and they find a button proving that the Air Force had been there. So it just all feeds into this, into this thing. And it's hard to say what is beneficial to the field and what really is the derogatory. Although I think mm -hmm. most of it's pretty much derogatory. How about the uh, sighting in 1950, was it 1950 or 1952 over Washington? The Washington Nationals. Uh, and I did a whole book on that, cleverly called Invasion of Washington, where I looked at all of the stuff that we had, uh, all the investigative stuff that was in the Project Blue Book files and some of the people involved. And here was a group of sightings that interested the president enough that he wanted answers. The objects were apparently intercepted a number of times by jet fighters they were seen on radar the objects were seen on radar and at one point they were seen on three separate radar three separate radar installations which suggest the weather phenomena that the military or the government claimed was the answer is is untrue uh, so that's a very good and interesting set of, of of sightings i've got a videotape of a fellow 
who was one of the fighter pilots talking about what he had seen. Right. There was a story in the Washington Post, and I think it was carried throughout the nation, uh, from another of the fighter pilots, I think his name was, was Patterson, talking about how he'd been kind of surrounded by these lights. Um, and and this, these sightings resulted in what I think of as the greatest headline I ever saw in a newspaper, banner headline across the front of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and it said, Saucers Swarm Over Capital. I'm thinking, here's a headline right out of a science fiction movie. Uh, but it's a series of very interesting sightings with a lot of different chains of evidence from from uh, witnesses on the ground seeing it to uh, airline pilots seeing the objects to fighter pilots intercepting it to the things being uh, picked up on radar uh, multiple times over multiple nights. So it's a very good and very interesting series of sightings. Now, why isn't this sighting being given the attention that the Roswell incident is? Because that sighting cannot prove the case. All you're going to end up with when you're done is the eyewitness testimony, the instrumentality from the um, radar, and what the pilots had to say. You're not going to be able to present a, a piece of debris. With the Roswell case, you've got all those various elements going on, but you've also got the possibility of the alien bodies, which would be proof positive. Uh, pieces of the wreckage, which depending on the composition of it, may be the proof positive. The thing that's always frightened me about that is you've got a piece of a flying saucer. I mean, a real honest-to-God piece of a flying saucer. And you take it to be analyzed, and they say, yeah, it's aluminum. Uh, doesn't mean it's not extraterrestrial. It just means you can't prove it. Uh, but, but you have the potential there for that sort of thing, uh, the, the, the physical evidence. So you've got the case there mm -hmm. that can produce approve the whole thing. All right, you Kevin, I hate to do this. Got to do this to you again, buddy. You and I have to take our final break. Exo Nation, the one and only Kevin Randall is with us this hour. He is the host of A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall on the Exxon Broadcast Network to find out when his show airs, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Go to www.xzbn.net. Kevin and I return. Don't go away. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. 
No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Kevin Randall is our special guest. He is the host of A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network. To find out when Kevin's show airs, it's very simple. Just go to www.xzbn.net. Kevin, tell us about your new book, Roswell, 21st Century. This is the one where I, that Tom Carey and I kind of talked about doing, but it's the vision that I had before we'd actually talked, which was... Uh, reevaluate the entire Roswell case as if it was a cold case. Mm -hmm. Go into it, looking at it that way. Document everything. Mm -hmm. So it's loaded with footnotes so you can see where the information came from. It has a long section on the Roswell slides that talks about all of the information that was being developed before we get to the May 5th um, fiasco in Mexico City and then some of the fallout from that. So this looks at the Roswell case as it exists today based on a lot of things that hadn't been uh, discussed before and uh, kind of concludes where we are in the case today. Is there a smoking gun? No, there is not. The problem is, 
And it's the one that we've had from the very beginning. We, we do not have a piece of the debris. We do not have photographs of the alien creatures with good provenance. Mm -hmm. We do not have the smoking gun. What we have is testimony from some people I think is very credible. Uh, Edwin Easley, for example, who is the provost marshal, and what he told me, uh, a, a number of the officers at the top at the Roswell Army Airfield at the time, and a lot of the top enlisted uh, soldiers as well. We have a lot of good testimony from them. Then we have a lot of crap that people are trying to jump on the bandwagon. I try to expose all of that as well so we can separate what is true about the case with what is faked, what is made up because somebody wants their 15 minutes of fame in, in the story. What makes sense and what doesn't make sense. I take a long look at the Project Mogul explanation and why that doesn't work. Uh, and if when you get done with it, you have no explanation for what fell at Roswell. There's no terrestrial explanation, but that doesn't take us to the, the extraterrestrial either. You know, we've got some very compelling testimonies and some some compelling documentation, but we have great gaps in what we know. Is that compelling testimony based on a lack of knowledge or is it based on an event that can't be explained? We have... Um, the testimony seems to be compelling in the fact that they're talking about something extremely unusual. They're talking about the debris that they handled and, and how it does not fit into the um, the science of today, let alone of, of 70 years ago. But we we don't have what we need to prove the case. On the other hand, there is some documentation that is quite troubling. And, and we, I look at all of that in the book as well. You know, here's this letter written by uh, the um, commanding general of the uh, Air Material Command in 1947, um, General Nathan Twining. And, and in his letter, he says the lack of crash recovered debris, you know, saying there, there's no such crash. You can explain that by saying what he was doing was responding to a query from another general officer about a number of cases that were very strange at the time. I think we've solved some of them now, but it's very strange at the time. And so the analysis was not bringing in anything else. It was just, we're going to analyze these, I think it's 18 cases specifically. And in those 18 cases, there was no crash recovered debris. So you've got the door open for Roswell because of, of that. But there's other things like that going on. And we have to look at all of that stuff to draw some kind of conclusion that uh, establishes the I, I guess the importance of Roswell in the hierarchy of UFO uh, cases, and that's uh, what I attempted to do in the book, bring the best information available to the people who would really like to know what was going on in Roswell. You said before that uh, the smoking gun in the Roswell case would be a piece of material or photographs of the extraterrestrials. Nothing... There has never been any crash debris, to my knowledge, or any photographs of extraterrestrials in any of the UFO sightings or crashes. So how can we add any validity to any of these cases? We have some interesting uh, debris that has been recovered, but there's always a problem with it. I'm thinking of Ubatuba, Brazil, for example, where some metal was found in 1957, but the provenance is cloudy. Uh, it would be an interesting um, uh, 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 analysis if the provenance wasn't as cloudy as it was. So we have some of that. We've got some very good photographs of UFOs. We have, uh, in the case of the JAL airliner from 19, I think it's 86, uh, we have the entire thing that you can play out on radar. The whole thing was recorded on audio tape and they've got the radar trackings and all of that. So you can watch the whole thing mm -hmm. in uh, real time. And that, that gives you some very compelling evidence. On the, other, on the other hand, we don't have, as you say, we don't have a piece of debris that, that does not have a cloudy provenance. We do not have photographs of the alien creatures um, that, that we can point to and say, yeah, this is, this is very interesting. 
the photographs aren't going to prove the point, but it may open up a door to get us to that point. Uh, so we don't have that sort of thing. What we have is some very interesting observational data that is backed up by instrumentality, and that's where we are. I think of the Leveland case from 1952 where the craft was interacting with the environment, stalling car engines and that sort of thing, and you've got the possibility of a landing trace where the thing burned a, a circle in the ground. You've got witnesses at 13 separate locations independently mm -hmm. of one another talking about the same phenomenon and, and that sort of thing. So you have some compelling evidence in that way that does not have a terrestrial explanation. And as I say, that doesn't lead directly to the extraterrestrial, but it gives you kind of the springboard that we need to go further. I understand the springboard, but how do you, how do you, how do you get the resources that are required in order to continue and to increase the depth of this investigation into the UFOs. Now, there are plenty of so-called reality TV shows out there that are anything but real. And you mentioned one earlier today. When you look at there's one about the ancient aliens with uh, Giorgio Sukalakis, who I think needs a, uh, a hair makeover in the worst way. Uh, and and all these all these want-to-be experts who talk in circles present no exact evidence and yet people still believe what they're babbling on about so what will it take in order to get credible scientific investigations government investigations combined investigations to 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 put this question once and for all at rest first i want to say that i think george's hair is charming and you wouldn't watch it if he didn't have that hairstyle i don't watch it anyway Oh, well, I don't either for that much, because they always say things like, if ancient astronaut theorists are correct, then such and such follows. Well, the first part of that statement is false. They aren't correct. But uh, what we need to do, if, if we were serious about this, and I tried to do this 15, 20 years ago, after I had, had uh, finished my PhD dissertation, I tried to set up through the UFO community where we'd look at a case in depth, provide all the information, get peer review so we could say this case presents solid evidence of something strange going on. Mm -hmm. And nobody wanted to follow that lead. But what we need to do is embrace science, not reject it, but embrace science and the scientific method and gather the information carefully and ignore our own personal agenda. And that's the problem with the reality programs. They always come forward with a with an agenda. I remember a long time ago, uh, I was in New York City to be on a, one of the talk shows. And we had asked, and I say we, the, 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 the UFO people had asked, who's going to be the skeptic? And they said, well, there's no skeptic. There's not going to be a skeptic. When we got to the studio, they said, uh, they, they said, well, Philip Glass is here as the skeptic. And I looked at the producer and I said, then we're not going on. And the color just drained out of her face. But I mean, they were setting up a confrontational show and they were not ethical enough to tell us, yes, we're going to bring on a skeptic. I didn't care that Philip Klass was there. I always kind of considered him a friend. Mm -hmm. And in fact, after the show was over, he and I shared a car ride back to the hotel. But, but you know, we need to get a rid, of, rid of that adversarial idea. There is no alien visitation. Ergo, anything that suggests otherwise must be wrong. There is alien visitation and everything proves it. We have got to take the scientific approach to this, gather the evidence properly, submit it in a proper form, and present all the evidence, not just that which proves our case. I've often said that we are not in a debate. We are in a scientific investigation. In a debate, if you know, the, you know evidence that goes against your case, you ignore it because it's a debate. But in an investigation, you need to embrace all the evidence. You know, I'm listening to you talk here, my friend, and I, I'm saying, well, you know what? You're making a lot of sense, Kevin. And from what I've seen in the UFO community, most of the people who are in it do not make sense. They cannot follow what you just said. Plus, what would they do if it came to the point where, you know what? UFOs aren't real. What would they do then? Ah. Uh... They would find something. Maybe they'd chase Bigfoot. I, don't know. I, I, I have been preaching this for years and years and years. And this is why 
I never get invited to conventions anymore because this is going to be my theme. We need to do, we need to embrace science when we're doing this. You know, you have your favorite case, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it might be. We look at it. The Charles Witted case comes to mind. These were the airline pilots in 1948, I think it was, saw a, a cigar-shaped craft with square windows along the side. And everybody thought, this is a great case because it's airline pilots and they got a good look at it. I believe that we're looking at is um, a meteoric entry, but uh, people don't want to hear that. They just want to believe that the UFOs are real. Hey, listen, my friend, you and I have to say so long for tonight. Kevin, always a great pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on your great show. And I look forward to talking to you in the future and listening to more of your great shows entitled A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Find out more about Kevin's show at www.xzbn.net. Good night, Kevin. Good night. We'll be back uh, after this break, Exxon Nation. Don't go away. 